hello there, stranger. How are you? It has been two weeks since we last spoke. Actually, more than that, because I think the last show we did was on like a Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember, yeah. So it's been a while. I was in Europe. I went to uh, Prague, Budapest, and Vienna. Oh, my God, I have a story about this that I didn't tell any of you guys. While So we get to the airport of Prague, and we get picked up in, like, this enormous taxi cab, and, you know, the driver's talking, and um, he is, uh, he's got a Rangers logo on the back of his phone. So I started talking to him about it. This guy is, like, best friends with Yarmir Yager. He had tons of pictures with him. I guess the guy played professionally in the Czech Republic for a while. And, yeah, he had, like, 90 pictures of Yager doing Yager things and some interesting Yager things. Um, but Yager things nonetheless. So there was my Rangers connection overseas. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. Yarmir Yager. This podcast is brought to you by Patreon. Patreon.com slash BlueShirtBanter. And you can give us money. You just put in Patreon.com. You put the slash, little blue shirt banter, um, and you get money. Or you give money, actually. We get money. <laughs> and this money has purchased things, like Mike and Beth's Skype account, and that makes them sound like they are literally in your living room, sitting on your couch, or maybe laying in your bed, wherever it is that you happen to listen to this podcast. So we need to give a big thanks to Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Dan Lynch, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, George Lippman, uh, this person wants to be referred to as Guy from Montana, which I think works out really well, actually, Guy from Montana. Uh, Trevor Kepner, Dan Carosi, Zachary Zetlin, Arch Williams, Alexander Thornton, Igor Zatlowski, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all. You all keep this place afloat. And, yeah, I don't know where we would be without you. Maybe the bottom of the ocean or, like, weirdly someplace else. I don't know. This podcast is also brought to you by Casper Mattresses. And that's good, because after the way the Rangers played this year, you probably want to take a nap or just go to sleep for the entire summer. For those of you who don't know, you should if you're anywhere near us in New York. Casper does a ton of out-of-home advertising. But they are a mattress company that is obsessively engineered with creating a wonderful mattress for you, and it is at a fair price. And I can attest to that, because if you go to Sleepy's, or I guess now it's, you know... It was bought out. Those mattresses are a billion dollars. Casper mattresses are not. Um, it combines the support of memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce. Lucky bounces yeah. like the Rangers did not get um, in the playoffs. They have 20,000 oh, well reviews. A single person reviewed them for every single seat in Madison Square Garden. 4.8 stars. I don't know what you would give the Rangers in the playoffs, but it would not be 4.8 stars. Um, they have free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada, and that is our wheelhouse because this is about hockey. And you can try the bed for 100 nights risk-free in your own house. If you don't love it, they will come and they will pick it up. If you do happen to get a mattress from them, they will take the old mattress. They will not throw it away um, in your backyard. They will just take it and dispose of it where you don't have to worry about it. So you can get $50 off if you go to casper.com slash blue shirt, and that is our promo code as well. So. Go do that. Go to casper.com slash blue shirt and buy yourself a mattress where you can sleep away this horrible summer. Mike will be doing his uh, annual summer survival guard or guide, and part of that will probably be 
sleeping on a Casper mattress. So thank you, Michael, <laughs> Bethany. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you for uh, running the Welcome uh, ship back to you. While I was gone. And yeah, we were here. You were here. Don't, don't, don't talk back to me. Um, <laughs> we're kind of late to the game, but uh, there's a lot of Rangers stuff going on. I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about like the disaster that it was, or do we think the people have just moved on? Oh, God. We could, I suppose, or we I think could we not. Have to. At least a little bit. Could eulogize it. We could. So I'll tell you this. I went to bed at about one in the morning Prague time, which was six in the afternoon here or so. And um, <laughs> my coworker texted me at like 3.30 in the morning or something and was like, not looking good for the Rangers. And I woke up to pee and saw that. And I was like, okay, that, that can't possibly be good. And then I uh, woke up <laughs> to them losing game six. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of time to kind of internalize this and think about it. Uh, I would assume – here's the thing. This is, this is how I'm going to rationalize this. and You can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but whatever. If the Rangers would have lost to Montreal, I think it would have been a forgiven situation, not from the standpoint that it's acceptable, but from the standpoint that Montreal was a good enough team that we didn't think the Rangers really had it in them to get past them. And I – really didn't get my hopes up until the Rangers got beyond Montreal because then I thought to myself, okay, they got by Montreal. They should definitely beat Ottawa. And I think the Rangers had a golden road to the Stanley Cup that AV just kind of kicked into the ground. Um, Pittsburgh is beat up. Ottawa is not playing amazing hockey either. And the Rangers definitely, they let that series get away from them. Uh, They lost two games that they should have never lost. They, repeated mistakes over and over and over again, and it cost them. Uh, of course, we're not allowed to question the coach or the media or anything else, so I'm not really upset that I missed that whole dynamic. But um, I think it's a weird feeling to think, okay, losing the first round, I get it. You know, go fix things. Oh, losing the second round, that's way worse than if you would have lost in the first round. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Mike, speak. Words now good yeah this it's one of those things when it first happened I wasn't really shocked just because of the way you know the bounces were going and the way the Rangers were playing but um, since the Rangers have been eliminated it's it's been really really hard not to look at you know Pittsburgh and Ottawa they just started their game seven right now and you know Nashville is came out of the West and they don't have Johansson. So it's really, really hard not to play the, God damn it. This was, this was very ideal in many ways. Um, It's really, it's hard not to think about what the Rangers could have been doing um, in this Eastern conference final and potentially in the cup final against a team like Nashville. But uh, it's thinking about that isn't, like I don't think it's energy well spent. I think ener- the energy that's better spent is, you know, demanding kind of accountability from the mistakes we saw. And we've already seen a little bit of, I guess you would call, fallback with, uh, you know, the change going on in uh, Hartford with Jernander and uh, a couple of roles in the front office moving around. So, um, I mean, that's minor stuff, but... I don't think any of us really expected that 
uh, Vino would get the axe right away. Um, if he wasn't on a, you know, a hot seat before uh, this season, and obviously he wasn't because he signed a huge extension, but I would imagine that he has a lot to answer for now at this point. And if he doesn't, that's a whole other set of problems. But uh, looking at why the Rangers failed and what went wrong, I think we could talk for hours and hours about that. And I also think plenty of Rangers fans have already deliberated and lost sleep about plenty of that as well. So I'll pass it over to Beth. I think I knew it was over when um, when Derek Stepan yelled at Hank. Hank? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I just that was just that was just one of those moments, you know, when. When did that happen? I don't know. You know, grandpas had one too many, or you know, did it happened in, in game six. Uh, I, I, th- I think it was game six. Was it? Because I was going to say I, I I don't remember that at all. That was game and, five or uh, six. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was before game six. Really? Um, then I should have remembered it. And I don't. I I didn't hear about it until afterwards I must have missed whatever the actual moment was but um and again I don't hold that against him but to me it was just a sign that they had unraveled so completely that they weren't going to get it back together and that they somehow even knew that um and I think that's pretty much when I gave up just the wheels weren't turning right and they weren't going to come back from it. And by the way, I, do you think guys now were finally absolved of the, the Lundqvist uh, record in elimination game stat now that he's lost the last two game seven? Can well, we be spared yeah. that? I honestly feel like that's an unlucky stat. Whenever I saw that stat, even when I saw it two years ago, I cringed. When I saw it this year, I cringed worse. I just, I don't like it. I don't like seeing it. And I hope it's gone now. And I honestly feel that that can only make things better. <laughs> you, both of you separately brought up things that I kind of wanted to talk about. And Mike, I think the most important one that you said was, obviously, Vigneault is safe. Because if he wasn't, he probably would have been fired by now. Um Obviously, nothing's a guarantee, but I can't imagine that he would have lasted this long without some type of a, without something happening, especially with the Rangers kind of overhauling their AHL coaching staff, which, let's be honest, is like two or three years overdue. Um, Yeah, absolutely. The way that they handled Robin Kovacs, and he actually did an interview that kind of talked about himself really not being in the best position to succeed, and Again, there's a lot of things going on there, but um, I would assume Vigneault is back. I, I, I think the question that really everybody needs to ask right now is how hot is Vigneault's seat? Is it red hot? Does he have 15 games to figure it out next year? Does he have half the year to figure it out? I wrote an article about what Jeff Gordon was going to do from this point forward, and I think you can kind of give him a free pass for a lot of what's gone on to this point, because uh, I do think there's something to be said for a general manager coming into a situation of relative success and not wanting to, to kind of shake things up. But from this point forward, this is his team. He needs to put the mark on the team. 
And if he sits back and doesn't do anything, then he's pretty much saying, okay, whatever happened before is fine, and I'm okay with the way that things are going. If he's under the impression that he gets rid of Glass, he gets rid of one of, if not both of, um, Girardi and Stahl, if he takes away the favorite toys from Vigneault, what does it matter if Vigneault is there? Because there is a you can easily make the argument that Vigneault is a good coach who just can't get out of his own way with assignments. And if you take away those opportunities for him, then if there is no stall to put on the ice in the last minute, again, even though two games ago he absolutely burned the Rangers and then they lost the game, but then you're going to do it again in this game because somehow it's going to make a difference and lots of other things that I have thoughts on that are making me angry. If those opportunities are not there, <laughs> there's nothing he could do really to kind of destroy things. Uh, I think, and I don't think it's a far stretch to say that Vigneault was a very big reason why the Rangers lost this series. People say, they tell me I'm being too negative on him. You don't want to blame, you can't blame the coach that much. I disagree. Certain players get all the rope in the world to make as many mistakes as they want, uh, no matter how badly it hurts the team. And certain players like Buchnevich sit and watch from the wings because no one knows and nobody bothers to ask. So that is the question. Is Vigneault's seat hot enough that he actually has to do something about it? Or is he a placeholder? I don't know. The Rangers don't have a couple of years to figure this out. And the good news there is I think the Rangers actually are close enough to contention that it wouldn't necessarily be a disaster to kind of rehaul the defense. And yeah, you lost another year this year, but they could easily with this forward group and Henrik Lundqvist playing the way he's playing, take care of things. Um, it, it just comes down to whether or not the Rangers are going to do what they need to do to make it so that the Rangers are actually contenders. And I know that's asking for a lot, but um, yeah. What do you want to jump in? I went on such a. I had something to say about Beth too, but I don't know. Yeah, I I'll, there for a I'll carry on with. Remember. Yeah, I'll carry on with the point that that Beth brought up about Henrik in the game sevens, especially. Um, it's 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 funny because I'm not a superstitious hockey fan, um, but when the playoffs come around, like my my tolerance for things that annoy me or irk me really is just, you know, a razor thin. It's everything gets more or less one strike. You know, if a guy throws a dirty hit in the playoffs, it's, you know, he's a war criminal. So, um, you know, looking at that game seven stuff with Hank is, it's so intense because I don't know where it comes from, the the notion that Lundquist chokes in the playoffs. Um, But then again, you have to remember the, the people who aren't Rangers fans, like you see in Ottawa, if if Lundqvist faced 15 shots in the first period and he allows one goal, uh, the Henrik chance will start. You know, the the mock chance are going to start. It, it happens in every building that he's in, um, and that's because people know he's he's an elite goaltender. They may not say it on social media um, when they're speaking through, you know. The, their megaphone of bias, but that's that's what it's about. At day's end, Lundqvist still posted a 9.27 save percentage in the playoffs this year. He gave the team every possible chance to win. I know that that might be hard to swallow with the two, 
you know, uh, I don't even know what you want to call them, just self-implosions with Ottawa where the Rangers had it, Ottawa pulled the goalie, and we all know what happened next. But um, we know the players who were on the ice, and we know the circumstances of all that, and we know that, you know, even if you're not heavy into analytics and believing all those things, it's it's pretty apparent that guys like Tanner Glass and Mark Stahl shouldn't be out there because they have a very poor track record of success in situations like that. And uh, I think in many ways I hope best that that Game 7 narrative kind of comes to a close, but because it's Lundqvist and because it's the Rangers, I don't think it ever really will. It's just, you know, we heard how many crazy narratives did we hear in this year's playoffs? Just, you know, I, I cannot believe how much, how much we heard about, you know, the mix. Go ahead. Oh no, they can't win at home. One. And then that one went. Can't win at home. Yeah. Yeah. But then they won at home. So they had to stop talking about that. We heard about Kreider running into Carey Price and destroying him, and Tanner uh, Glass out of everything. Yes, Tanner Glass, Tanner Glass's fourth line, as we heard, which was great. Um, you know, all those things we heard. It just that's those narratives are maddening in the playoffs, and uh, like I said, when you're, I think I'm not alone in that. The little things that irk you are amplified in postseason hockey because it is playoff hockey. But I, I really think that, you know, it's it's easy for people to be frustrated about Henrik and uh, how things went, but he was a different goalie in the playoffs and different in all the best ways. Um, I know we are often Lundquist supporters and apologizers on the podcast, but I don't think there's anything to apologize for in terms of Lundquist's play. Uh, the defense in front of him, it was identified as a problem in the preseason this year. Uh, and we talked about it on the podcast all year long. And so when it comes true in the playoffs, when we've talked about it all year long, that, hey, the defense sucked. You know, it wasn't good enough. Um, you know, these uh, specifically two or three guys are should not be out there in these situations. And this is why, and we already know that, and that comes true. It's people still say, and more importantly say directly to us that Lundqvist choked or, you know, no, it can't possibly be the coach's fault or all these things. And, you know, it's just, that's just kind of par for the course. So those excuses will always be made. Uh, as to your point, Joe, I think at the very least, Vino's seat is hot enough now to give him swamp ass. It's... <laughs> There's just enough pressure, I think, where, you know, he, the way he talked on breakup day was, you know, he's really shocked they're here. You know, it's interesting the points he raised with like, oh, I wish the Chris Kreider we saw in period three of game six was the Chris Kreider we saw all playoffs long. And I wish, you know, whatever Zabinajad's at a real crossroads in his career and all that stuff. Um, and a lot of that has to do with trying to spark players and negotiating Zavinajad's contract. But um, I think in many ways, Vino was aware that he didn't have a lot of excuses to, to go to. It's his job to get the most out of his roster. And he didn't get half of what he needed out of this team 
And this team still got past Montreal and still got six games into the quarterfinals. So, yeah, I don't know. I've been talking too long now. I'm going to be quiet. Well, I love the idea of him kind of going after a few players when I don't necessarily think that, listen, let's be completely honest, that the Rangers made it as far as they did with the horrific performances of Kevin Hayes, JT Miller, and um, Chris Kreider for the most part. I mean, JT Miller, the entire playoffs was, I think, admirable. But if you're Elaine Vigneault and you're – the Zibanejad stuff I'll almost give a pass for because there's probably gamesmanship there just because of the contract negotiations. But uh, – yeah. It, it, I would be very, very careful about blaming my own players when you're not going to blame. Listen, the Rangers lost to Ottawa because he lost Brendan Smith and Brady Shea game after game at the end to protect the lead and <laughs> did not learn his lesson. So unless you're going to blame Nick Holden and Mark Stahl, you can't really blame anyone. You're, you're not I, – I just – it's against my rules, and I, I get that no one gives a shit what my rules are, but that's what it is. <laughs> You can't sit there and say, oh, you know, we wish if Cryer was scoring, man, things would have been different. Maybe, but things would have assuredly been different if you played your best defenseman as if they were your best defenseman. A part Last of me almost doesn't even want the Rangers to sign Smith because who knows how he's going to be used. No one knows. Go ahead, Beth. Last 10 seconds of the season, he puts Shea and, and McDonough on the ice together. You know, I mean, do you notice that Eric Carlson's always out there? Why do you think that is? I, I it, just, it blew my mind. We saw it, that pairing that we've been asking for in the final minutes, in literally the last 10 seconds of their final game of the season. And I, I could not even believe it. Did they, did they play themselves? I mean, what was the, the mindset there to actually be like, you know what, these are probably my strongest guys. I, I just, I can't figure out what the thought process there was because that's who should have been out there in those final, I mean, yes, Smith and Shea too, but if you're claw, trying to claw yourself, you know, into a position in the playoffs, we should have seen those. We should have seen those two together sooner, and we didn't. Last 10 seconds of the season. It infuriates me because if Clendenning was on the ice for even a goal against in a non-critical moment, I mean, he didn't play a single game in the playoffs. He didn't play a single game down the stretch. And what happens? I don't understand. I really don't. I I don't get who has this – preferential treatment. I don't get who has this, okay, he's a problem. We're not going to do anything with that. I don't know. And nobody seems to care or ask about it or do anything. So I do I don't understand concerns. how... Uh, I was just going to say, I don't understand how Vigneault doesn't get eviscerated for the notion of losing players on his bench, especially in double OT games. It's, do, do you want to know what it really is, honestly? and I guess I don't have any way to prove this, but I'm telling you this is what it is. When John Tortorella was the coach of this team, he was a tyrant. He pissed off the media. He made their jobs he was a meanie. very, very difficult. <laughs> he was an asshole, and so be it. Vigneault Real is true. very nice. He's polite. He doesn't get angry all that often. He does not make the media's job difficult. 
So well, they don't do anything it's about it. Why, why poke the bear? I agree with you. It's not journalism. It's not it, – basically, you don't really need to follow all of the beat reporters. You can follow one of the beat reporters, and they all say the same thing. So, you know, that's kind of where things are. I, I, and it's not a bad thing for us because I don't think our following would be growing as much as it is if that was not the case. People want other – they want other – types of information. They don't just want the things that are spoon-fed to them. A lot of people do. Some people don't. So be it. But that's why. Like nobody, wants to, nobody wants to poke the bear. And I, on some levels, I get it. But if that is the way that you are going about it, I would be very, very careful about the way that you criticize other people. And especially other people who are out there trying to give their opinions. I mean, we run a Rangers website. What are we not going to – we're not going to write anything. We're just going to not. So uh, it, it's, it is frustrating, but that's what it is. There's no <laughs> – and again, part of me understands where they're coming from. Seriously, part of me really does. But if you're going to go that road, you can't just sit there and be like, well, okay, we're just going to talk crap about all the bloggers and have some bloggers. It's just not the way that it – you can't play both ways. So – Enough about that, though. This has been depressing enough as it is. Um, He's a meanie. uh, Do we want to talk expansion? Do we want to talk about the off-season, Shattenkirk? Oh, God. Mike, I give it up to you. You can choose what we talk about next. There's so many different rabbit holes that we can jump down. Um, Henrik and Oscar won gold, and that was a nice thing that happened. I want to jump in that hole. <laughs> yeah, what hole are we let's jumping? Jump in that, that that beautiful, golden warm hole, of Oscar Lindbergh and Henrik Lundqvist winning gold with Sweden. But let's also say Kevin Hayes scoring how many goals? How quickly? Yeah, Kevin. but he's with Johnny but, but Hockey you know Goudreau. I don't. And they're best buddies. To Mike's point, yes, he's playing with more skilled players. Um, but also all Hayes, I really believe that if, if that goal would have counted in game three that Hayes scored, that got pulled back against Mm. Montreal, Hayes would have been fine in the, in the playoffs. At some point it gets in your head that you're not scoring and it becomes a problem. So all it takes is a bounce. I mean, I don't know what the deal was with Miller. Did we, everybody has a joke and the, Blue Shirt Manta Forum, because while I was uh, on vacation, I kept asking who the injured player was, and nobody would answer me. I don't know why. Do we know who the injured player was? Because I think it's Miller. I don't think we know um, yet. I still don't think we've really gotten anything with that. Okay, I mean, I I wrote a... No. Did we fail you, Joe, or did the Beats fail you? Well, I... I, I that, that's like no. saying... Did the fish fail you because it didn't fly away? We're not going to get any of the beat writers as guests. Nobody has ever said that. What? Yeah, you're making up. you because it didn't fly away. Well, it's brilliant, and people should be saying it. There are flying fish, technically. There are flying fish, but they well, you know what? There are flying fish. Yeah. So there goes your (laughs) bullshit theory. You know what? I've had it up to here with the two of you. And because of where I am, you don't know where I am. 
Could be all the way up to my head. Could be all the way up to the ceiling. You don't know. You came back from Europe a hardened man? Uh, I got out of Budapest just in time. There's some riots and stuff going on over there now. That's nice. Yeah. I would have had to be like, what's that movie that came out? Like Escape or something? I don't know. If I'm just gonna riot in Budapest. I want Yager's cab driver friend with me. I know that. No, that that was Prague. Yeah. Oh damn. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could have asked him to come, but I don't think I don't think he cared about me that much. I have a fun thing. So okay. both of you get one. Both of you get one guess. Only one ranger played all twelve games without getting a point. Name that ranger. Okay. Give me time, because I will get this. While you look it up. Yep. No, I'm not looking it up, I swear. I'm pouring yes. wine. <laughs> oh. Who did you say? She's no, pouring I wine. Is I it a probably... trick question and it's Lundquist? Just answer me that. No, it's not a trick question. It's no. not a trick question. Okay, so it's a player played in all four games. It was all 12 games. Did not score a point. I'm running through my head all the players. Um... He's the only I'm ranger skater without a point. I am going... No, it's not Smith. I'm going to say Stahl. Beth, what's your guess? My guess was Smith, but I know it's wrong. It's Mark Stahl, yeah. Yeah. Ah. He was the only one that I could think of because... You know, this is the other thing, not to pull back to where we were, but... At the end of this season, if I would have told you Dan Girardi was not a name that we mentioned once, really, in a negative light through the playoffs, I would have told you the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I understand why. To waste the effort that he gave in what is probably his final games as a New York Ranger, hopefully. I know it's weird to say that while we're praising him, but... um, to, to waste that effort, to waste Lundquist's effort, to waste what this team gave is an unforgivable sin. It really is. And I'm just telling you now, this organization will never, ever live down letting Henrik Lundqvist walk away without a Stanley Cup. They won't. They won't. They will not. Nope. What were we talking about before this? You know who's the real Wine. goalie killer? Elaine Vigneault. Go on. His own goalie? Well, Luongo and Lundqvist. Yeah. And, you know, not so much death as just, you know, no cup, but still. <clears throat> the kind well, of the bright side, with both of them. On the bright side, Luongo is living a happy life of pseudo-retirement in Florida. So. <laughs> pseudo-retirement... In Florida. Hank has that to look forward to. Yeah. I'm watching uh, a stretch past Eric Carlson over and over and over again. It's beautiful. Are Imagine people have are someone like that? been allowed to do that? I didn't know. I don't, not, not in New York, they're not. Absolutely not. Um, Rock. 1193 got it correct, by the way. He guessed stall before any of us did, so good work, mm-hmm. Rock. Um, what else were we talking about? This is a very unorganized podcast, and I blame Mike for that. 
Um, oh, that's fair. That's fair, because I'm the only okay. one who comes up with notes before the podcast, and I ran All the site right. while you were gone. But I have a fair. question. Oh, yeah, everybody fair. give Mike a standing ovation for the work that he did. The site ran better while he was in charge than me, and yeah. Um, you can... That made me feel good. In If you had a pick between losing Grabner, Ronda, <laughs> Fast, or Lindbergh, who would you least like to see go of those four? Grabner, Fast, Ronta, Lindbergh, you said? Yes. Who are, which one would you be most upset to lose? <sighs> Son of a bitch. Uh, I goddamn love Auntie Ronta. I love his new baby. I love his smile. <laughs> um, and I really don't think you find goalies of his caliber as a backup very often. And that is something that's important as Hank gets older. Um, with that being said, I think it's very likely that Vegas is going to knock on the door about him. Um, so if I'm kind of to me, I don't think fast is really in a lot of danger. I think it's more Grabner, because of his goals and Lindbergh because he's a center and he's young and he's cost controlled. Um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Forgive me. Um, I, gosh, I would probably say Grabner, but probably not for the right reasons. Um, I know he's not going to repeat what he was able to do for the first three fourths of the, of the 2016, 17 season next year, if he's a ranger, but, Man, that speed is really, really nice to have. And in if the Rangers are put together in the right way, and if if there's better puck movers on the blue line and all of that, someone like that, you know, even if he needs four breakaways to get a goal every game, um, <laughs> it's 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 nice to have him around. With that being said, I Oscar Lindbergh is a guy who I remember bringing up earlier this year in the podcast, remember when we used to talk about Lindbergh as an important prospect? Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, after those playoffs, he really won me over. And it's not just because he came up with a couple of big plays and big goals, but it's the, what he showed in terms of a kind of complete game. And I do want to point out that I don't think he's the player that, you know, playing with William Nylander, Nicholas Backstrom at the Worlds, you know, I don't think Lindbergh is a top six winger, um, but he's a really, really interesting guy that I don't think we've seen, um, don't think we've seen his best hockey yet. So I guess I'll just say Grabner just because I technically think he's the most valuable of the group. It's kind of a push with Ranta, but I don't know. I'm already doubting myself, so I'll just let Beth say something now. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to keep Lindbergh. Um, I, I love Grabner too. I do. Um, and I loved that everyone, you know, he scored all those goals at the beginning of the season. Then he fell off and everyone was like, well, there he is there. He's done. And then he started again in the playoffs and it was just so joyous yeah. and wonderful. And yeah, you know, I mean, he may hit the net and he may hit someone in the you know, the 10th row. You never know what's going to happen when he actually gets <laughs> down there. 
but he gets down there enough that, you know, it is going to go in once in a while. Um, On the other hand, though, I think we have a bunch of other guys that if they're playing at the top of their game, they'll be scoring goals too. Um, So I think the guy we'd be missing on the ice, you know, both ends of the ice the most is Lindbergh. I'm really torn between him and Foss because I just think Foss does, you know, a whole lot of, of thankless things up and down the ice a lot of the time. Um, I also feel compelled to point out that I think at uh, when Sweden won, I don't think I've ever seen Lindbergh smile like that. I didn't know no. he could. I didn't know his face he's, went that way. He's not allowed to smile as a ranger. There's a contract clause. <laughs> I'm not sure. Fourth line, you have to be serious. and Contractually obligated to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Oscar. Although Foss comes in actually second for me. So Foss, I think, had like the playoff of his life. He put up a lot more offense than I think anyone thought he was going to. For me, from most valuable to least valuable, and I am quantifying this with not just next year's value, but like future team value. I would say yeah, Lindbergh is first. I would say Fast is second. And then I would say Grabner and Ranta are probably tied. And the reason I say that, Igor Shesterkin, Shestyorkin, Shesterkin, um, is the probably the Rangers' top prospect right now. He's the uh, goaltender over in Russia in the KHL. I think he has two years left on his deal. And he is the future of this goaltending pipeline. Um, he is one of the best goaltenders in Russia as a 20-year-old. If you don't follow Alex Nunn, who is our uh, foreign correspondent for Blue Shirt Answer, it's uh, twitter.com slash AJ underscore Ranger. Um, You'll see all the gifts of, of the way that Shestyork, I think it's Shestyorkin, plays. He's been incredible. So to lose Ranta would suck because there's value to trading him the same way that yeah. there's value to trading Grabner. Um, but long term, the position is not Ranta's, it's Shestyorkin's. So I wouldn't be totally upset to lose him. Go ahead, Mike. Well, my anxiety there is. The Rangers, if they lose Ronta, they'll have to find something in the free agent market because what is here is Helbert's Helberg. Gone now, right? Well, yeah, he there's gone. not a lot here. Um, he is gone. I... <laughs> yeah, there's. He be gone. Skapsky is a you know an RFA, and I don't think any of us are really. Yeah, I don't think any of us are really excited about the, you know, about what he's going to become. Um, the Rangers signed Chris Nell, um, you know, the, one of the NCAA signings. Um, there's Halverson, you know, but none of these guys are ready to be an, an NHL-level goaltender. So the Rangers are going to have to find someone outside um, and finding someone who can do can do what Ranta did, which 
not every goaltender, like I think a lot of goaltenders will be drawn to, I get to work with Benoit Lair and study under Henrik Lundqvist. But there's also the, you know, guys who are like 28, you know, and above who would look at like, yeah, I'm not really interested in playing, you know, 15 games a year or whatever as Lundqvist understudy. And, um, you know, only great goalies end up succeeding in New York because of how things have gone on defense. But uh, I, I really, I, I, I'm so nervous to lose a guy like Ronta. Um, but I also know he's, if it's Vegas and it's expansion we're really talking about, I think that they have a lot of goalies to look at, I know. And a lot of people point to, well, here's a bunch of goalies, but people forget that Vegas can take like five or six goalies if they want to, and then trade them. Um, you know, there's nothing stopping them from, from doing that. Like in, in past expansion drafts, when teams competed, when there were like two, two teams entering at the same time, goalies is the position that teams, that the teams go kind of hog wild for, because at the end of the, the day, a goalie is the most valuable asset, especially one that's, proven to be good enough for the NHL. So, um, and the other point I wanted to bring up just, just to be a contrarian, I guess, is that I really like Jesper fast. Um, it's hard to watch him play and not kind of root for him and, and see how hard he's working. But I honestly don't think it's very hard to find guys who can do a lot of the things that Jesper fast does like top end speed, like Grabner, a guy who can, you know, Lord knows how many goals he's going to score, but there are, you know, 20 or 25 goals in the stick, you know, even as a third liner. Those players don't come around that often. And a young two-way center like Lindbergh, who it's that iceberg thing. We don't know how much more is below the surface. We don't know how much more he has to give, but there's definitely a feeling that we haven't seen anything close to his you know, what his ceiling is in terms of, in terms of how good he can be. Yeah. I, from a long-term, from a long-term standpoint or, or a long-term outlook, I think Lindbergh brings the most just because you don't know what the top of his ceiling is. Um, yeah. Fast is, is fast. That's not just speed, but he is what he is. He's not going to be, and he's a great player. I, I really don't take that as he's not very good. It's just he's not, you know, he's not anything to run home about. He's a great depth player. You could find a lot of them, I'm sure, um, for pretty cheap, and he's pretty cheap. But I, I just think Lindbergh would be the hardest to replace. Uh, Grabner, as great as Grabner was and as great as Grabner is, and he actually responded to a tweet that I sent him because I went to a uh, – Viennese amusement park where the children's ride at the amusement park was this terrifying devil ride. Um, yeah, it's horrifying. And he said that it was meant to scare the kids like ghosts or something. I don't really know, but he was very nice and answered. So that was sweet. Um, I, I don't know if Grabner is going to have that kind of year again next year. He very well could. Uh, I think the Rangers really missed the boat on trading him. I, I was eating my words in the playoffs because, he was such an important part and I really thought they were going to go to the Stanley cup, but then um, Vigneault kind of came and then messed that up. So now there is a regret factor to not moving him, but I don't know what's going to happen. The Vegas has a lot of good options. Some people have said 
oh, you can just trade them like a third-round pick to take Holden. That is not at all how that works, and I'm going to post a story tomorrow morning to explain that. So um, you can certainly bribe Vegas, but it's not going to be, oh, we get a third-round pick in Nick Holden. It's going to be, oh, we're not picking Oscar Lindbergh, or we're not picking a 27-goal scorer, so, or a goaltender who can man the pipes for the conceivable future. Um, or foreseeable yeah. future, not conceivable. Everybody can conceive the future, I guess, on some level. So that's more or less what this has become. Um, my, I think Lindbergh, like I said, I would be, I'd be really upset to lose Oscar Lindbergh. I, I think he's everything Jesper Faust is with more offense. And to me, that's a glowing Any play center. Review. Any play center. And who knows? The Rangers are apparently training Stepan and whoever else and – you know, yeah, we're trading Stepan and and Hayes and Miller Nash. apparently. So I I know Jack Jack wrote a story about Hayes. I would not trade Hayes for it. Would take a lot for me to get give up on Hayes. It really would. I think he's very good, and I like him. I think he can only get better. Um, what else, gentlemen and lady? Coach, what? Can he get better under Vigneault, though? Well, can anyone get better under Vigneault right now? It infuriates me that Buchnevich was not used at all as the Rangers went down the playoffs. It's it's ludicrous. It really is. I, I don't I don't know what to what to say about that. Let's talk about something happier, Mike. What are we talking about? Um. Europe. Here we go. <laughs> Europe. They, yo, they treat the world championship like it's the biggest deal in the world. There are people like screaming out of bars in Prague. Yeah. Like it's the <laughs> biggest thing in the world. It was crazy. <laughs> crazy. Um, off the chain, they say. Off the hizzy. Do you hear me? Off the hizzy. A lot of hizzy. Uh, what's your favorite, favorite memory utensil, from this Joe? Oh, my favorite utensil. Yeah. What? If you if you, if you could there? only use if you could only use one utensil for the rest of your life, what would it be? The fork, because I've used the fork as a fork, a spoon, and a knife, and I've never used the others as all three. That's the correct answer. You you've done well Ooh. here. Best, whatever you're gonna say is wrong. I oh, could in a pinch. Oh my God! You're gonna you say can't spoon? stab meat with a spoon. Yeah, why would you use spoon, Beth? Wait, what I, I almost felt bad. No, it's fork. Fork was the correct answer. Oh, well, I assume Anything that Joe in... could be right, so I went with something and... else. <laughs> oh, you got Joe's a belly laugh from Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I needed that. That was good. But Beth, the fork, anything you need a spoon for, like soup, just grab the bowl and tip it into your mouth. Problem solved. Mm, I don't know. I this could, is also, I I mean, it's also part of my own wanting to eat out of bowls. So. Yeah, bowls are pretty I great. Except but they're all these stupid... But a bowl is not a utensil. Near my work now, that only serve things in bowls, so they ruin bowls for all of us, as far as I'm concerned. 
No, bastards. I know. I love pork is where it's at. Like Joe said, you can cut meat with a fork if you're determined. Yeah, you can do whatever you have to. I mean, I could eat, I mean, if we're talking about eating things wrong, I could tear it with my teeth. If I'm just pouring my soup in my damn mouth, I might as well eat my steak with my hands, too. And I still have a spoon. Pretty. You are an animal. You are an animal. I thought a a lady like you would know better. Yeah, well, show me a steak (laughs) and see what happens. Oh boy. Do you often eat steak with just your hands and mouth? If it okay. was, all I'm saying is it's a different question if you can break the rules of polite society and drink your soup. In Mad Max world, I understand eating steak just with your hands. But we have a society. In Mad Max world, obviously, you want a knife because you can kill someone with it. Uh, she is right about that. I have to give her that one. You know what? That's a damn good point. But However, we don't live in Mad Max world, so... Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. a fork in a pinch could be used as a brush or a comb. Or a knife. <laughs> you could use it to stab someone. Thank you, Little Mermaid. You really yeah, could. Little Mermaid. Ever stabbed with a fork? Not a game. Not a game to get stabbed with a fork. <laughs> not, not a game. You've been stabbed with a fork, Joe? Uh, I have. Multiple stabbings with a fork. I have. By myself. Stabbed. I stabbed myself in the, in the fork, or in the leg with a fork. Stabbed yourself in the fork with a fork? I, yeah. I, I used the fork to stab my fork in the fork. This is what oh happens my. when you ask me to, to bring up something different. No, but this, this is, is good where because we're, we're relaxing. We're figuring out that Beth is a heathen. Yeah. Although now okay. I kind of want to order, I also kind of want to order a steak at a restaurant now and just push my utensils off the side to the floor, making a clatter, and then just grab the meat and start tearing into it. Take these utensils away from me, you fool! This is mine. Satisfying. I can imagine it, it is. It must be satisfying. I mean, I've never eaten a whole steak like that, but I have eaten a steak bone like that in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> so you have well, to be in the privacy of your home to eat it like that. Well, you I don't know. Fried chicken with your hands. Why, why not steak? Wait, what else do I eat with my hands, apparently? No, like, you can, we can eat fried chicken with just hands. Why not steak? That is a fair question. Why not steak is the, the sub-theme of this podcast. Why not steak? Why not steak? Is it polite with your hands? Apparently, asparagus is supposed to be eaten with your hands. I learned that from one of my brother's ex-girlfriends. That it's, that's the couth way to eat asparagus is just with your, your fangs. You're actually right. That's what Miss Manners says. Yeah. But if it's covered in, like, olive oil and stuff, then you're going to get all messy. Uh, maybe not right to eat hollandaise with your hands. Probably oh. not. Who doesn't love some good hollandaise? Mm. I'm trying to think of other meat that we eat with our hands. Mm. A, a large, Sausage? comical tur- turkey legs. Yes, it's we don't the... Eat, uh, uh, what are they called? Like Renaissance, Renaissance fairs. Yeah. Renaissance fair, yeah, exactly. 
But that is a throwback to a simpler time when most people had, you know, syphilis and, you know, right. awful diseases. Maybe in Did order to eat syphilis? meat with your hands, you need syphilis. Maybe that's it. I do not yes, have syphilis. syphilis. Do not let that be the takeaway from this podcast. Although I forget if syphilis is a new world or old world disease. I, it's old world. It made people crazy. That's right. Joe, did you know that Matt is a Hatter comes from how people who made hats used to use mercury when they made hats, and that made them go crazy? Joe? I'm not sure he's still here. That's Joe? That's probably for the best. Um, it's kind of good <laughs> that he's not still here. Let's just you and I talk, Beth, because this is live and there's nothing we can do to stop it now. So Yeah. Um, I can't I, gotta, I can't say anything about any new players that are coming in because you know I don't know cap stuff, but you should probably say some things about that because people are probably curious. When does that start? I forget. Well, free agency begins on the 1st um, of July, but okay. I, f- I forget what the schedule is for um, – qualifying offers and all that for restricted free agencies uh, and for players who have arbitration rights um, off the top of my head. Um, I'm trying to remember which Rangers have, or I should say don't have arbitration rights, but uh, like Zabinajad is really that, that player who's, who's going to shape what happens. I mean, Oscar is an RFA uh, Jesper is an RFA, uh, Matt Pumple and Peary are both RFAs, and Clint Denning is an RFA, but I wouldn't, I really wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers just cut bait with Clint Denning. I hope they don't, um, but I am nervous that's what's going to happen. For another year, let him, let him run, let him be free. Let him well, <laughs> let him be free. <laughs> free him. Um, What kills me is, if nothing else, he would be great, um, really great for the AHL. Um, but uh, How old is he? Uh, I forget. He's only 24. Um, oh, okay. That's not as bad as I thought. Yeah, he, he's he's one of those guys where... You know, for whatever reason, people are so... He's a year older than Jimmy Vesey. I mean, he's as old as, <laughs> as Kevin Hayes, but people are very quick to dismiss the idea that he's a young player. Um, and because of that, he doesn't get offered a, a, as much leash as he should, um, even though really he shows plenty of signs of being good. Apparently, Joe's computer crapped out, and he just unhelpfully said to keep talking. 